I haven't even finished eating all my Halloween candy. Welcome to Quarantine, aka Quarantine, aka Quarantine Anima, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name is Connor Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. We did it. We made it. <laughs> it's it's fucking bananas that it's already Thanksgiving, but here we are. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do a little Thanksgiving episode. And for those of you who, you know, know your Thanksgiving movies, I feel like it's weird. Like, there's plenty of Halloween movies and there's plenty of Christmas movies, but, like, strictly Thanksgiving movies are a little tougher to come by. At least, like, I don't think there's any, like, true, like, classic like Thanksgiving movies, like I, I, I don't know. At least n- nothing comes to mind, r- like right off the top of my head. But uh, anywho, we're gonna do a little Thanksgiving episode. So we're gonna do it a little differently uh, than how we normally do our episodes these days. Uh, instead of picking a movie and you know talking about the movie for however amount of time and doing reviews and did you knows and all that stuff, uh, we're just gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna do uh, things I'm thankful for in movies. In 2021. Uh, So I got five things that I want to talk to you guys about. And I'm just going to talk about things that happen in movies this year. Obviously, you know, there's still a little bit of time left. Uh, Some, you know, a lot of great, like, big properties are going to be coming out soon. Um, The, I mean, for the Christmas season's always busy uh, for Thanksgiving. And... Uh, Christmas season's always busy for movies and you know th- this time of year like some of those like Oscar contenders are starting to and like the other awards uh, contenders are starting to roll out so there's a, a lot of good stuff to watch right now uh, and I am I just want to talk a little bit about, about what makes me thankful other than you our <laughs> loyal listeners I don't, did we ever establish what listeners were called like teenies yeah I'm calling you guys teenies whatever <laughs> okay so uh, all right, so I got five things uh, that I'm thankful for in movies this year alone. Uh, and starting off right at the top, number five, doing a little countdown, number five. Uh, I am thankful that phase four of the MCU is off to a good start. So uh, that's been something that's been really interesting to watch. Uh, you know, I think after the Infinity Saga ended, you know, with Avengers uh, Endgame and. Uh, where Spider-Man Far From Home left off. Uh, I think a lot of people were just confused, like, okay, like, where are some of these characters going? Like, who, like, some of these character stories are wrapping up, and, like, we know the full slate of stuff that was supposed to come. Uh, you know, like, we know all the TV shows coming out, we know all the movies coming out. So, nothing has really been, like, too, too surprising so far, but the fact that uh, almost everything that they've released is, uh, in Phase 4, both movies and TV, uh, movies in particular for the sake of this show, uh, have been really, really good. Uh, like, I haven't really been... If anything, was like, I'd say was disappointing, I would say it was probably Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but again, I didn't really have high hopes for that to start with. Uh, so I, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't disappointed by it. I think it was good, like, and again, I still think it was good, it's just the most boring thing that they've <laughs> released so far uh, in, in uh, Phase 4 of the MCU. But that being said, and, you know, minor spoilers here, uh, you know, we're introduced to some characters that are probably going to be very prominent, uh, you know, in the franchise moving forward. And, you know, we saw, uh, 
you, you know, we uh, seeing uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, seeing them get uh, you know some more screen time was nice because those are two great actors who have you know, I mean they've paid their dues in the MCU as uh, supporting players and now they're stepping in as leading guys. And I'm very curious to see what both of uh, their futures hold uh, in the MCU. Uh, but on the movie side of things, uh, we've had three movies come out so far this year. We're the fourth due to come out uh, in December. Uh, so we've seen uh, Black Widow. Uh, we finally got to see Black Widow. It was supposed to come out in 2020. Uh, I think it was like May 2020. And I think it ended up coming out in like June or something like that. So we finally got to see that. Uh, we saw Black Widow. We saw uh, Shang, uh, Shang-Chi uh, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, which was very, very cool uh, m- movie. You know, one of the better movies I think I've... Not just MCU movies, but one of the better movies I think I've seen all year. Uh, and then Eternals, which if you listen to the last episode we did, we did an entire review and breakdown of The Eternals. Uh, and so you can get my thoughts on it there. Uh, and then we still have a Spider-Man movie to come out in December, which they've they they've hit on all the Spider-Man properties so far. So I'm curious to see how that's going to come out. And yeah, I'm just I'm very thankful that the MCU seems to be in a good place going forward. They've done a lot of they, they, like they've tried a lot of new things. Uh, obviously, you know, TV being one of them. Uh, you know, with Wandavision and. Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, which was incredible, uh, and then you know there's this Hawkeye series coming out, which I guess is kind of like a Christmas uh, series, which, which is cool. I think that's really cool. I, actually, I think it comes out this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, might drop on Thanksgiving for all I know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited uh, about what the future holds for the MCU, which is just far and away the best franchise going right now, if you ask me, uh, and. Well, probably if you ask most people. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think you know, th- they've tried a lot of new things that, you know, the Eternals was something completely different that we haven't seen before. Sha- uh, Shang-Chi is obviously uh, something that's, you know, it- it's a lot of, it- it's something that we haven't seen a lot of, uh, you know, like a- like Asian superheroes. That's incredible. <laughs> we just ha- we haven't seen a ton of that. Um, you know, on you know at-, at least in American theaters, we, we really haven't seen a ton of that. Uh, so... What they're able to uh, to do there, and uh, you know, the world that they created in that movie was awesome, and I think he's going to be a, a great addition to the MCU moving forward. Uh, Black Widow, it was like it kind of sticks out. Like I'm curious to see how it's going to tie in. Um, it like it wasn't like the movie was obviously primarily like uh, you know a farewell to Scarlett Johansson and everything she did with the character, uh, but it was also a really great introduction to uh, Yana, who's gonna who I mean she has to have a prominent role in the MCU moving forward there's no way Florence Pugh isn't gonna be like the new Black Widow so to speak so uh so we'll see but uh there's a lot of lot of cool characters uh that have been introduced late uh you know recently and I'm, I'm curious to see where they're all gonna end up and I'm also curious to see where uh you know the next couple of years takes us with the rest of phase four so that's the first thing I'm thankful for uh Number four on my on my countdown of things I'm thankful for, uh, streaming quality keeps improving. Uh, this is not a new <laughs> or a hot take uh, by any means, uh, but the this year in particular, streaming like off has offered more. You know, throughout you know most channels have offered more selection 
not only in terms of original content, uh, but you know now there's theatrical releases being released simultaneously, and there's I, I mean the, the there's obviously you know the the existing uh, <laughs> movies that they they stream like typically like when we think Netflix like the like non Netflix produced stuff so other movies uh, that I mean that's always been great but uh, but as far as like the actual content that they're producing like Netflix and Disney Plus and HBO have really stepped up their game this year HBO obviously it's a little different uh, because they did this thing where Warner Brother they partnered with Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers is basically gonna release all of their movies same day uh, on HBO, which it's a good and a bad thing because like there's a lot of movies on there and, and it's been it's been very widely criticized in the film world uh, at least you know by the you know people in the business so to speak like Christopher Nolan was very outspoken about it uh, you know with Tenant being released on it uh, Denny Villeneuve was very outspoken about it uh, with Dune getting released on there but I think viewers are smart enough to know it's like okay like this is something that deserves to be seen on a big screen. Uh, like Dune. Dune didn't end up being a you know a box office bomb or anything like that, uh, and that's because <laughs> that's because people like they forewent the decision to just watch it on their phone or like in like in their living room or something like that, like uh, on HBO Max, and they chose to go to the theater, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> like that's fucking awesome. But then like there's so like there's some of these other movies uh, that get released on there that. Like, there are movies I want to see, but I'm not dying to spend money <laughs> to see it. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, go to the movies. It's it's not cheap. I mean, I go alone, so it's not nearly as bad as, you know, it is for some other people who, uh, you know, w- whether they go on dates or they go with a group of friends or st- stuff like that. Like, I am a firm believer that as an adult, one of the best skills and hobbies you can develop is the ability to go to the movies comfortably by yourself. You don't have to worry about making plans with anyone. You don't have to worry about, oh, where do you want to sit? You don't have to worry about, oh, like this time doesn't work for me. Can we do this time? You, know, you don't have to worry about, uh, like, oh, do you want anything from the concessions? Like, should I get it? Should you get it? Like this <laughs> like this and that. You don't have to worry about sharing, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, Brent and I, we go on lots of dates to the movies. We went to one on Friday. But I like going to the movies by myself. And I think that most, you know, most other people should too. And people who who do that and have that ability, everyone you talk to is just like, yeah, it's the best. <laughs> it's the absolute best. So well worth the twenty five ish dollars. It usually ends up costing between uh, tickets and concession. But anywho, uh, but yeah, getting back to the streaming stuff, like HBO, like uh, movies, like. Uh, uh, what what was it called? Um, no sudden move. New Steven Soderbergh movie. Uh, Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, uh, John Hamm. I think John Hamm was in it. Uh, but like it, it, you know, it's this kind of crime goes wrong and people are trying to figure out like how to fix it. So it's it's got that Soderbergh kind of humor to it. Uh, but I mean, there's. I hated the way that they shot it. I absolutely fucking hated the way that they shot this movie. Um, 
you know, that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, like this would normally come out in theaters and I'd normally say like, eh, you know, like, you know, there's some things like I'm just waiting, like I'll wait till it comes out on streaming and then I'll check it out. Uh, and I've done that and I've regretted that. I was like, like there's something I was like, damn, that was great. I wish I saw it in theaters. And then there's other times where I'm just like, yep, played that perfectly. <laughs> you know, that movie stunk. I didn't miss anything here. And like, so with like no sudden move as an example, uh, you know, I didn't really want to go see it, but it was available to me because I have HBO and you know, it's a lot of talent and there's a lot of talent in that movie and a lot of talent that I like and admire. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's, let's throw it on. Like, let's see what happened. It ended up not being that great of a movie, but that's totally fine. Cause that's like some of the beauty of, uh, you know, some of the beauty streaming. And, you know, if you look around some of the other channels, Netflix, I mean, they have a new thing coming out every week. Obviously, not everything is a hit. I mean, what what studio can release fifty two successful movies in a year? Uh, but they've had some pretty good ones, like Harder They uh, You Know Harder They Fall was pretty good. Uh, Red Notice was pretty good. Those are two of the more recent ones. Uh, Concrete Cowboy. If you go back to the beginning of the year uh, with Idris Elba, that one was really good. Uh, I'm surprised that that one didn't get a little more hype. Uh, Kate. Another one uh, with Mary Elizabeth Winstead off the top of my head, Gunpowder, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, another one. So, like, there's been movies that, like, I you know, I admit I haven't watched all of them, but, like, the ones I've watched, I enjoy the majority of. Uh, but I also like to think that, like, I have a good idea of, like, okay, like, I know I'm not going to be interested in that movie, so I'm not even going to waste my time with it. So, uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, what's happening in streaming right now, like, it's been a great year. For them, even though like there, it is somewhat controversial because, like, yes, like it's affecting theaters, uh, and yes, you know, it, it's a you know you don't get as many like large scale movies, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it, I mean, some of the best filmmakers out there are indie filmmakers, so uh, you know, streaming it and like not everything needs to be seen on this giant screen. Uh, like some of these are just smaller, more intimate stories that are totally fine. Just watching on your TV, like something like Dune or, uh, you know, like one of the MCU movies, like, yeah, you bet your ass I'm going to the theater to see that. Uh, but, but no, it's been, it's been a, a pretty great year for streaming. If yeah, if I don't, if I do say so myself and you know, there's only more shit coming out, especially with the holidays coming up. Uh, all right. So the third thing I'm grateful for this year, number three on my countdown uh, if you, uh, it's the finale at the Oscars broadcast. So if you remember, and this was back in March, I think it was. So if you remember, so last year, obviously Chadwick Boseman, uh, passed away unexpectedly. And, you know, that was kind of the, like, that was a big narrative last year in movies. Uh, as you know, you know, like Chadwick Boseman passed away, like what? You know what projects does he have coming out? What's gonna like? What's gonna happen to Black Panther in the MCU? And uh, you know, just kind of reflecting back on the you know brief but amazing career that he had. And uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom comes out on Netflix last year. You know, for further proving my streaming point. Uh, so Ma Rainey's Black Bottom comes out, and he fucking destroys it. He was absolutely awesome in that movie. I didn't love the movie as a whole. I thought he was, you know, a st- he was the standout from the movie, if you ask me, hands down. It was a little too theatrical, and when I say that, like, it's a the movie was a play that was adapted for the screen, 
but it didn't feel like a movie at all. The whole thing felt like a play. Uh, which is, I mean, that's, not, you know, I got nothing, I got nothing against the theater. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But, you know, it's just kind of not, I don't know. It's, I'm not, I don't want to put down his performance at all. Uh, but uh, last year, The Father also comes out uh, with Anthony Hopkins, and holy fuck, he is absolutely incredible. <laughs> uh, you know, in that movie, he's absolutely mesmerizing. Everything like I, I watch. I, I literally said like I, I will watch this movie, and I loved it, and I recommend it to zero people because it's some of the saddest shit I've ever seen. Uh, but it was some of the best acting I've also ever seen, at, you know, courtesy of Anthony Hopkins. So, fast forward uh, to Oscar night. <laughs> and so, it, obviously, you know, last year's show was a little different. Uh, it wasn't in the Kodak Theater. It was a much more intimate venue uh, with kind of just the nominees on hand. And with the broadcast, they switched things up a little bit, too. Uh, most notably... The usually the last award of the night they do is Best Picture, which hmm, makes sense. Uh, but they didn't do that this year. They went, I think they went Best Director to Best Actress to Best Picture. So they went like Nomad, 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 <laughs> and or, you know, uh, Director and Actress might be mixed up, but like it was Nomad, 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 and then. Like, clearly, they were positioning this so that the last category of the night is Best Actor. And they were banking on the fact that Chadwick Boseman was going to win because he had won a lot of things leading up to that night. Like a lot of the other uh, smaller award uh, award shows. And, it, you know, it, they were probably... They were gambling that it was going to be this, like, kind of Heath Ledger moment of, okay, like, we have a posthumous Oscar. We're going to, you know, are we going to see his family? Are we going to... You know, someone going to accept it on his behalf and this and that. So, like, you know, what what's going to happen when Ch- Chadwick Boseman wins? And that was one of the main things uh, people were talking about leading up to the show. So, the time comes, and they announce the winner. And again, this is the very end of the broadcast. They announce the winner. They were totally gambling on Chadwick Boseman winning. But he doesn't win. Anthony Hopkins wins <laughs> uh, for the father. And, you know, sidebar... Deservedly so. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins was better. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, so, to make matters worse uh, for the broadcast, like, again, they took this gamble. Anthony Hopkins is in Wales. <laughs> he's not even in America. He's not at the, like, he's not at the broadcast. He's not in the, in the theater. He's not even in the country. He's across the ocean at his, you know, estate in Wales. And he... Like, you know, they didn't cut to, like, a broadcast, like, a simulcast with him or anything like that. Like, they just showed his picture, and they were just like, well, it's over. <laughs> and it was the funniest shit I might I think I've ever seen in the Oscars. And, like, obviously, like, the, you know, La La Land and uh, 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 Midnight or Moonlight, um, they... Like, like that whole kerfuffle was pretty hilarious too but like just watching this cause like at least that one you at least got to like play out <laughs> you got to see it like play out on stage and like it, like that was just that that was also hilarious honestly that was probably funnier but this stuff like it was just golden because 
the broadcast just had no fucking idea what to do. And, the, and like, they literally, literally just gave away, like, one of the biggest awards of the night. And they were, they rearranged the entire show to give it to Chadwick Boseman. And then he doesn't win, and the guy who beats him isn't even there. <laughs> and, like, it, I cracked up watching this stuff. And it was so, so funny to me. But... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was something that I, that was one of the more memorable things to, you know, that was the most memorable thing to happen from that show. Like I had to, you know, even <laughs> I was thinking about, it's just like, who even like want, like what was even nominated for stuff last year? Like I know Daniel Kaluuya won, uh, for best supporting actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. Nomad won best picture. Frances McDormand won best actress. Chloe Zhao's best director. Promising Young Woman won Best Screenplay. Who won Best Supporting Actress? Was it... I'm completely drawing a blank. This isn't good, guys. Alright, I'm done. I'm done thinking about it. Um, anyway, oh, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but... Uh, the actress from Minari. Uh, okay, yeah, there we go. That's why. Uh, this is someone I hadn't heard of before. Uh, but Minari's a, a great movie, too, if you ever get a chance. I think it's on Amazon, maybe? But might have to buy it. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, okay, moving on. Number two. Uh, Dune didn't suck. And I'm very, very thankful for that. <laughs> so Dune was the most anticipated movie that was supposed to come out last year. Uh, because I mean, look at all the talent involved in this thing. Denny Villeneuve, uh, you had Timothy Chalamet, and uh, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista, uh, Javier Bardem, and uh, Zendaya, and many others. <laughs> uh, there were, I, I know I'm forgetting people, Uh and, and you know you take this beloved sci-fi property and you put the best director in Hol- the best director of the last 10 years you give that to him and you know he's done great work in sci-fi already both at big scales and small scales so you're just like all right let's make this the bi- this is going to be the biggest fucking movie of the year and I can't wait and then the pandemic happens and it gets pushed back and then it gets pushed back all the way to the back of you know the 2021 slate and like the hype for this thing was unreal. Like if movie theaters still weren't like a little bit taboo to some people, I think that this probably could have been the highest grossing movie of the year. But alas, I think it's been passed, but it was a, it was a box office success. Uh, and it was really fucking good. Like (laughs) it was like one of the things with Dune is that like, you know, it's this beloved book and, there was a film adaptation from David Lynch in the 80s. I think there was like a TV adaptation of at some point uh, in like the early 2000s. And neither of them really worked. So you're just like, okay, like who, like, is Denny Villeneuve going to be able to get all this talent together and then tackle this material that no one has been able to quite nail yet? And he did it. So, and he did it, and he did it by dividing the movie into two uh, and, and uh, deliberately dividing the movie into two parts. And, like, one of my biggest criticisms of the movie when it came out was that it ended. <laughs> you know, like, it it, it kind of had that, like, Lord of the Rings kind of feel. It's like it leaves on a perfect point where, you're like, you know what's, 
you know what's coming, but you don't know what's coming at the same time. Like you know where they're going, you have an idea of what you're going to see, but you don't know what you're going to see when you get there, or who's going to be there, or what. Uh, but it was extremely well acted. Uh, visually, it was beautiful. One of the better sci-fi movies, probably ever. Uh, you know, for, as far as visuals go. Uh, I mean, but that's no surprise. Look what the look at what Villeneuve did with uh, Blade Runner and Arrival, and you know, some just some of his other movies. Uh, Prisoners is still in my top ten uh, for me. That's I, I fucking love that movie. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, the fact that Dune, it like it didn't blow me. It, it, it did blow me away. It wasn't the best thing I've ever seen by any means. Uh, you know, it wasn't without its flaws, but I kind of gave it like an incomplete grade when I saw it just because like, I know that it was made with a part two in mind. So it's like, I want to see part two because I feel like that's going to be the conclusion of the story. The story didn't have it. Like it had a good ending because of like, it leaves you wanting more and like it, it's a good point in the story to stop and then, you know, have the other two, three hour version of it come out, uh, in a couple of years, which thank God it got greenlit. <laughs> um, I was going to be very mad if it didn't. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, the fact that it didn't suck, <laughs> like it was so hyped up and it didn't suck is a huge win, uh, for, for everybody involved, I think. So, uh, that's my number two thing that I'm thankful for is that Dune didn't suck. And my number one thing that I'm thankful for in movies in 2021, movie theaters are back. That's an obvious one. Come on, guys. Like, I know that like they kind of opened up last year, but it was a little weird. Uh, but now it's 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 becoming a little more normal. Like every time I go and like I tell someone I went to the movies, they're like, "Oh, I didn't know like movies were even open." And blah blah blah, and this and that. And I love it. Like I've gone to the movies a lot lately. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm glad to be back. And the other thing that's nice about them being back, the theaters aren't full. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I, I love being in a jam packed theater as much as everyone else. And especially just with like the way that theaters are designed now, it's like, there's more space between the chairs anyway, just cause they're like the big recliners now. But I mean, damn, like it is so goddamn awesome to, you know, just go see a movie at your local theater and you know you get your popcorn you get that big old buttered movie theater popcorn you butter it yourself uh you know you plop down in the recliner there's like a little bit of anxiety because because uh, now it's like everything's ticketed so like you're hoping just a little bit that like no one's going to be in your seat and that actually happened to me a couple of weeks ago when i saw the Eternals. someone was sitting in my seat but like the entire row was open and the movie was about to start so i was just like I'm just going to go buffer zone with this guy. Like, I'm not going to say anything, but if someone comes into my thing, that's when I got to be like, Hey, you're in my seat. So thank God that that didn't become an issue. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, I just, I, I love the fact that the movie theaters are back. Movie theaters are like where we, like, it's where people fall in love with movies. Like, yes, like streaming and like watching stuff at home and it is great and everything, but movie theaters, like those are the experiences that you remember. Like I still remember the first time I saw the dark Knight in theaters. I still remember the first time I saw master and commander with my dad. I still remember seeing return of the King, uh, in theaters for the first time. I remember, uh, seeing Harry Potter, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, <laughs> uh, for the first time, I remember just, I mean, I've been to hundreds and hundreds of movies, uh, over the years. And, you know, like, I, like if, 
like there's just some movies that stick out to you a little more because like you have that like feeling of like oh damn like I saw it on the big screen I saw it with the audio and stuff like that like uh, like oh man there's just, there there's just nothing like it and you know not every movie need like demands to be seen on a, as big a screen as possible but there's just nothing like it, 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 it no, no like I've never looked at a movie and I was like damn I wish I watched that on TV instead <laughs> so uh, well I mean the subject maybe but like the actual like experience of it I'm just like damn I, I I love I fucking love the movies it's my favorite place to go so those are my five things that I'm thankful for this year I'd uh, love to hear what you guys are thankful for send us a note at uh, at quarantine upon on Facebook Twitter or Instagram uh, actually just do the Instagram you know what like we have a Twitter I haven't posted in over a year <laughs> I tell you guys every episode to go follow us but no one ever does <laughs> and I never post anything so just just go to the Instagram that's fine uh, it's just part of my cadence at this point too but uh, alright uh, let's get in to some rapid fire reviews uh, I got three movies uh, that I want to talk about I went to the movies twice twice recently um, no okay but I still have three movies I went to the movies once and the movie I saw in theaters uh, was Belfast Belfast, uh, the new movie from uh, Kenneth Branagh. It's kind of a uh, semi-autobiographical story of him growing up in Belfast during the late 1960s, which, uh, for all you history buffs out there, was a very uh, tumultuous time in Northern Ireland's history. Uh, And it's not really focused so much on the conflict like you know the like all, there's you know acts of terrorism and like this whole protestants versus catholics uh you know thing going on with I'll, I'm I'll be 100% honest I don't fully understand the conflict uh but it's more the movie itself focuses more so on this family uh in particular uh this little boy named Buddy and it, like growing up like what your neighborhood is like during all this what it's essentially like what is it like growing up during that time not necessarily about the conflict itself and like the revolution and the uh, us versus them and uh you know that stuff is like sprinkled in there a little bit but it's stuff that he sees like a lot of it is more so like the things he sees around his house the relationship he has with his parents and his brother and his cousin and his grandparents and like the neighbors and stuff like that uh so it was really really good uh I think Belfast is going to be a, a serious contender at the Oscars this year. It got a lot. It's gotten a lot of good reviews uh, since it came out. I would recommend it. You go see it in theaters sooner rather than later because I don't know how long it's going to be there. Uh, because this is a very tough movie to market. You know, it's in black and white. It's uh, like it's a family dramedy, I guess you could say. Um, and there's there's some names in it in the cast, but like nothing that's like, oh, this is gonna drive billions of dollars at the box office. So, I I really really don't know how long it's gonna be in theaters. So go get a ch- go see it now while you have a chance. Uh, there's a possibility it could pop back up, you know, early next year if it's doing well in the Oscar campaign and it needs people to go see it. And I, I think I really think that like with this movie in particular, word of mouth is gonna uh, spread like wildfire because it is a crowd pleaser. Um, now it, it's not like incredibly cheesy, but it's you know the humor in there is sweet. The 
you know, we see, you get to see a little bit of everything. You get to see, you know, how terrifying it must have been to grow up during a time like that. But at the same time, you see, like, the love in this family and, like, the dynamic between them. And the kid who plays the little boy, Jude Hill, he's incredible. He's he's so goddamn good. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the kid who played uh, JoJo and JoJo Rabbit uh, a couple uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, the movie also... Uh, so that kid's name is Jude Hill. Uh, the movie also stars... Uh, Jamie Dornan, uh, Judy Dench, uh, Kieran Hines, who you might recognize uh, from Game of Thrones. I think he was one of the Boltons, if I'm not mistaken. I'm doing a quick scroll. Mance Raider. Oh, I think, yeah, I think he's one someone from the Night's Watch or something. But uh, And it also stars, uh, and I, I might butcher her name, uh, Catriona Balf. So, a couple things about the cast. One, Jude Hill, the little kid, awesome. Uh, Kieran Hines, very much going to be in the Oscar conversation. I don't know if he's going to win, uh, but he it's probably the first time I've like watched a movie this year and just be like, well, that guy's going to you know be in the race. <laughs> uh, I've seen it in a couple other movies. Uh, uh, when, uh, we, did, we talked about The Last Duel a few weeks ago, um, and... You know, we talked about Adam Driver and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and I said, "Well, actually, actually, okay." So I re- I retract what I said about Kieran Hines because I said Ben Affleck should be in there. Uh, but the uh, but Jodie Comer, her character in that movie, that was the first time I was like, "That's the best performance I've seen all year." Uh, I don't think this ma- Kieran Hines really matched that in this uh, movie, but I think he's going to be in the Oscar conversation hands down. Uh, he's also just you know a long respect, uh, you know, a, a well respected character actor. Uh, who's had a long career, uh, you know, over 120 credits uh, on his IMDb at this point, and he's starting to become more and more prominent as uh, he gets older. So like, it's kind of like a J.K. Simmons uh, kind of role for him. So, uh, but he, you know, he, he plays the grandpa in the family. Very, very funny, uh, but very sweet as well. Uh, Judy Dench could be in there. We'll see. Um, she she was great as well. Uh, Jamie Dornan and Jamie Dornan's an interesting cat to me because you know who he he reminds me a lot of is Robert Pattinson not so much in like the types of projects he takes on or how good he is and like you know he's just like full on like method guy it seems like Uh, he he really seems like a guy who it's almost uh, yeah I mean like a Jamie Dornan or Matthew McConaughey even like he is defined his career so far has been defined by the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. And, you know, those movies suck. <laughs> those movies suck. I think everyone involved in the, with those movies know they suck, but they made a shit ton of money. Uh, so, and, you know, he's a, he was a young and up-and-coming actor, and, you know, who can so who can blame him, uh, really? I mean, he's 39. Like, he's still, he's still young. He's still up-and-coming. Uh you know, he may not be like on a first name basis, but like, you know, he's, when I compare him to Robert Pattinson, obviously like Robert Pattinson had the Twilight label on him for a little while. So like there, it was tough for like, he struggled to have other people in the business take him seriously because, you know, he's Edward Cullen, but he's like, no, like I'm going to go and do the lighthouse and, uh, you know, Tenet and The Road. Oh, what was that? It's I think it was The Road, the movie with Guy Pierce and uh maybe it was The Road, but 
Yeah, and Lost City of Z, and like he went really like out of it, and uh, oh, good time. How can I forget good time? Um, especially good time. <laughs> um, uh, like it's, and especially the lighthouse too. Uh, you know, you know he he took a lot of w- different routes and kind of avoided blockbusters for a little bit. I know he's going to be Batman next year. <laughs> so, you know, w- welcome back. Uh, but he went this different route, and he w- worked with, you know, a lot of unique directors, played in a lot of unique films, played a lot of really good characters, showed off his range. Jamie Dorn's kind of doing the same thing here. Uh, you know, obviously he gets labeled as, you know, you know Fifty Shades of Grey is kind of his thing. Uh, but then, you know, he's in shows like The Fall, uh, which is incredible. Uh, it's a great little uh, miniseries uh, that came out in the BBC. He was actually in that before uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think it kind of took off, af- you know, after... It, yeah, it, it took off a little bit after that. Uh, but we've also seen him in uh, A Private War, uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think that got an Oscar nomination for Rosamund Pike. Nope, I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, so he... Come on. He was in that. Uh, he was in Barb and Star visit. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Very, very funny movie. <laughs> Came out I think late last year uh, or early this year. I'm not 100 percent positive, but hilarious movie. Absolutely fucking love that. He is hysterical in, in it, uh, and it was just like so like against character of what we've seen uh, from him. Uh, what's another one he's done? Uh, CJ Jagad- uh, Jagaville. Uh, that was post Fifty Shades of Grey, but still in like the middle of the franchise being released. Uh, Belfast, like he he plays the dad uh, in this one, and you know it's a you know he's a conflicted dad. Uh, he's you know he, he's trying to balance like commitments to work and his family. He works in England, but he li- but his family's in Belfast, so he has to kind of come home on the weekends. Uh, and you know he's trying to get them out because of like the tumultuous time that they live in. Uh, but he's still doing it with uh, like a humorous eye, and it, it was a really cool role for him. It was a really, really fun uh, role to see him uh, in like that. And he's also responsible for one of the best musical moments of the year, uh, <laughs> which takes place in the movie. I don't want to spoil anything, but the song uh, in question is "Everlasting Love," and it is going to be stuck in your head for days, and you'll remember that scene from the movie very fondly. Uh, and one last thing about that movie I want to mention. Uh, Catriona Balf, uh, the, uh, she plays the mom in the movie. Unbelievable. I'd never heard of her. I've never seen anything she's in uh, except Ford vs. Ferrari, but, you know, I didn't really... Like, I know she played Christian Bale's wife in it, but, you know, she didn't really stick out to me in that movie. Uh, but holy shit, I think she's going to be in the Oscar conversation as well. I don't know if she's going to win. Um, I don't know if she's going to be supporting actress or best actress or what, but uh, she's got to be nominated for something. She was awesome in this movie. Catriona Kat- Kat- Belf, remember the name, uh, just phenomenal uh, in this movie. You got uh, you know the whole like tough but fair thing uh, from her character, uh, but you also saw the loving side with her husband and you know how warm she could be with her sons. Uh, and just how fearful she was of the time that they lived in. She was conflicted of, like, you know, like, I know we need to leave Belfast, but, you know, this is where everything we have is and stuff like that. So it's really, really, really uh, great performances in this movie. And I think Belfast is going to be a strong contender at the Oscars this year. Uh, Speaking of Oscar contender, 
this one, I don't know if it's as sure a thing, but another movie I watched this week, it's available now on Apple TV, uh, it's called Coda. Uh, Coda was a big hit at uh, the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year, uh, got picked up by Apple for a record-setting uh, you know, distribution deal. And the movie is, uh, it follows uh, a family with uh, two deaf parents, uh, a son who's also deaf, but then uh, the youngest, uh, who's the daughter in the family, uh, she is uh, what's known as Coda, which is child of deaf deaf adults. And she basically has to grow up kind of translating for them and uh, being their interpreter. And she has to to grow up really quickly. Uh, The movie was shot in Gloucester. Uh, Massachusetts, uh, so you know, nearby, nearby show. Uh, phenomenal acting performances. Very well written movie. This movie was fucking awesome. It might be the best thing I've seen all. Excuse me, best thing I've seen all year. Uh, you know, it's this. It's just a really well written, independent movie. And like you know, you hear about a movie like this, and like you probably immediately think of like Sound of Metal uh, that came out last year. You know, with Riz, Riz Ahmed and. Uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Damn, now I gotta look it up. I'm, tr- I'm totally blanking. Uh, Sound of Metal. Paul Racy. Paul Racy and Olivia Cook. Uh, Paul Racy was fucking awesome in that movie. Uh, but yeah, so Coda, I don't know if it's going to be an Oscar contender. I think it de- uh, debuted on Apple in like August or something like that. So it's not really new anymore. And I don't really remember it taking the film world by storm uh when it did uh it's got an eight one on imdb uh the main character is played by amelia jones uh she plays ruby who's i hope we see her <laughs> more of her she was fucking incredible on um, this movie you know not only did she have to uh so a little bit more about the plot about the movie uh so ruby is like she grows up with uh you know, in this deaf family, but she's hearing, and you know, so she has to interpret for them, and but she has to do all. You know, she's also a kid that's growing up. She's like sixteen, or no, she's eighteen in the movie, uh, senior in high school. Uh, but then she wants to follow her dreams of becoming a singer, and she's this really talented singer. Uh, so she partners up with the music teacher at her school, and she gets an audition, uh, you know, for Berkeley School of Music uh, and stuff like that. So. Uh, you know, she's conflicted. It was like, do I want to follow my dreams or do, do, do I want to stay here with my family and kind of run this business? They just opened this, uh, like, fishing co-op or something like that. They're fishermen uh, <laughs> in the movie. So, uh, but really, really amazing performance from her. Uh, but the the one that really steals the show is uh, uh, Troy Kotzer, I think is how you say his name. Kotzer, maybe. Uh, he plays the dad in the movie. He's very, very funny. Uh, he's a uh, so he uh, so the actor who plays him is deaf, and it, it's really, really awesome to see like you know some of these actors uh, just get exposure like this that they normally wouldn't have had. And like this guy blows you away. Like you know he's again he's deaf, so like he's using sign language the entire time. And he has some of the funniest monologues, <laughs> like of the entire year. He's he's really really good. Uh, there's one scene in particular that will just have you laughing your ass off. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's also really emotional as well. Like the movie's kind of a tearjerker. I'm not gonna lie. I might have shed a, a you know one or two uh, in there. Uh, Marley Matlin uh, is also in it. Uh, Academy Award winning 
uh, actress Marley Matlin. She plays the mother, and you know she uh, it's a str- it's a great role for her as well. So I don't really know if the movie's gonna be a big contender at the Oscars, but it's such a great movie, and I really, really, really would encourage you to see it. It's on Apple uh, TV uh, right now, so go check that out. And yeah, it was frankly just absolutely incredible. Uh, I can't can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Oh, and there's also uh, another character in there. Uh, What's his name? His name is... Where'd he go? Uh, Eugenio Derbez. Uh, he plays uh, the music teacher. Very, very, very funny performance from him. Uh, again, I don't know if any if anybody from the movie gets nominated for something. I think it should be Troy Kotzer. But uh, yeah, I awesome, 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 awesome fucking movie. One of the best things I've seen all year. Uh, and. <laughs> I think if it came out last year, it might have uh, won Best Picture, especially in a weak year like what we had last year. But, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I know it's it's a deeper competition this year, so we'll see. But at the same time, everybody loves an underdog story, uh, and I think you know the Sundance uh, darling, so to speak, going off and you know taking down the big dogs. It's got like again, it's got an eight one. It's gotten really good reviews. I just don't know if it has the viewership to kind of go all the way. So here's hoping that Coda ends up, uh, uh, you know, going on a run here. But that was one of the, that was the best thing I've seen all year, hands down. And I include Dune in that. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Dune. Uh, all right. And the last one I want to talk about, um, not as at length, uh, The Big Sick. I watched it uh, the other night. And uh, this is the second time I've seen this movie. It stars uh, Kumail Nanjiani, uh Ray Romano, Holly Hunter, Zoe Kazan. Uh, there's also uh, some other uh, smaller roles in there for uh, like Bo Burnham and A.D. Bryant uh, are recognizable. You also see uh, Anupam Kerr and Zenobia Sh- uh, Shroff as uh, his parents, uh, Kumail's parents. Uh, it's directed by Michael Showalter, who you might re- uh, know from like Wet Hot American Summer. Um, and I think he was with the Reno 911 gang for a little bit. So, uh, very funny romantic comedy. It's it's a dramedy. Uh, the ver- the first half is more of like a traditional co- like romantic comedy, and then if you don't know the plot of uh, the movie, so it's a uh, semi true story about uh, Kumail Nanjiani and his wife and how they met, uh, and they were dating for a little bit, and then uh, they broke up briefly. But then just after they broke up. Uh, his the girl uh, she's dating, who's played by Zoe Kazan uh, in this movie, uh, she gets sick. She gets some kind of an infection, and she ends up being put into a coma. And it's Kumail, like ha- has to come like look out for her because there's no one else that can uh, take care of her at the time. So it's about him and her parents. Ray Romano is fucking hysterical. It's probably the best he's ever been in a movie. Uh, if you ask me, uh, obviously, I mean, there's everybody loves Raymond, but I'm talking strictly movies. I think this is the best performance he's ever had. Uh, Kumail is great, very funny, uh, and it, like the chemistry that him and Zoe Kazan have is awesome. Holly Hunter is d- dynamite in this. The movie got nominated for an Oscar when it came out, uh, just for best original screenplay. But I remember a lot of people were bummed about Ray Romano not getting anything. Uh, 
and and rightfully so. And the, <laughs> they had one of the funniest scenes. And the movie's, I mean, the movie's four or five years old at this point, so I think we can talk about it. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where, uh, and it's just after uh, Kumail meets uh, the parents, and Ray Romano's character asks him, just like, so, like, what are your thoughts about 9-11? Like, I always wanted to talk to, you know, someone like you about it. <laughs> and Kumail's, like, he just can't believe it. He just goes, oh, anti, like, we lost a lot of good men that day. It's like it's such it's such a funny fucking line. It's a hilarious scene, uh, and a really really good movie. Um, and the movie was written by uh, Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani, which means that is that makes Kumail an Oscar nominee, right? Academy Award nominee Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, he does. So, uh, and and I love Kumail. We talked about him last week uh, in our Eternals episode, but. Uh, just some of the other, seeing some of the other things he's done, especially uh, Silicon Valley, uh, sticks out to me. But also seeing some of his stand-up work and just cameos he he's had on other shows and things like that. He's uh, definitely someone to watch. I think uh, who's really been blowing up over the last couple of years. So I think we're going to see more of him in the future. But uh, the Big Sick, uh, I saw it on Amazon. Uh, very 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 funny movie. Uh, I don't want to say it's like a feel-good story, but it's also like it is a romantic comedy. But there's a lot of heavy stuff in there, so be forewarned. Uh, but it's still very funny. It's more it's it's more funny than it is dramatic. Uh, I guess I should add that in there. But it's also a great uh, look at uh, you know what Kumail's life as like a Pakistani immigrant is like. You know, uh, especially within his family. Uh, you know, he uh, they immigrated to. Uh, the United States when he was a teenager so we start seeing like he's kind of like adapted to American life really well he's pursuing stand-up comedy as a dream and stuff like that and we explore the relationships uh, with his family and like arranged marriages and uh, you know it's a really really cool family dynamic so I I can't recommend this movie enough The Big Sick go check it out I remember I loved it when it first came out Um, this is the first time I've seen it since then so uh, go give it a whirl. Uh, Big Sick, it's on Amazon right now. So, Anyway, that is going to do it uh, for us this week. Why don't you do me a favor, go follow the show. Uh, we're at Quarantinum Upon, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, although we don't use Twitter as we've previously established. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you'll find us there. So please go subscribe. So in the meantime, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you enjoy. I... I think we're going to do a show next week. I th- Yeah, I don't think that the holiday is going to stop us from... Because I know I'm going to watch movies. <laughs> I mean, I get Friday off, for God's sake. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, stay safe. No drinking and driving. All you, all you crazy cats out there. So, uh, all right. That is going to do it. Don't be a hero. Stay inside. Watch a movie.